This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Welcome to the Think Future Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kalabukas, and once again, we're coming at you live from deep, deep, deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California, the innovation capital of the world. We're talking innovation startups, the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Show number one, two, three. Sorry, folks, not palindromic, but sequential. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Twitter. That's right, folks. Twitter, 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 Twitter. My first brush with Twitter back in 2009, I just left Yahoo to start up my own little startup, which we called Invention Arts. I believe it's still around. Uh, one of the other partners is still has that company. We left Yahoo in order to start up a patent generation service. When we were at Yahoo, a number of us were able to build a really nice patent portfolio for them using a process we call targeted IP generation, where we basically got a number of people in a room and we had them ideate, or ideate, depending on how you want to pronounce it, new product and service ideas that are slightly ahead of our time. In fact, so much so ahead of our time that they couldn't be built today, but they could be built at some point in the future, which is why they were perfectly ripe for patent development. And I don't know if you've read the news lately, but on Yahoo, but there is these patents are part of a patent portfolio, which was recently valued at about a billion dollars. And uh, it's one of the assets that the company has in play along with the Alibaba shares and a few other things. But I digress. So I was at that startup about a year and six months, the first six months of that startup, we we ran the patent development thing. And unfortunately at the time, their companies were starting to reduce their patent spending instead of increase them. And we decided to pivot. And we pivoted to become a social media harvesting and analysis tool because at the times Twitter was super hot. Now I had been on Twitter for about a year by that point, uh, one of the very, very early, early adopters because I was familiar with Odeo, their sort of parent company. And I mean, Twitter was invented as far as I know to be a notification tool for podcasters. I mean, I was involved in podcasting from 2005. So I remember when they first launched Twitter and we, uh, we're one of the first, some of the first beta testers on Twitter, <laughs> bouncing it back and forth. I mean, I think uh, another podcaster and I were talking about using it as email. You know, if you can't discuss what you want to discuss in 120 characters or less, then your email is probably too long. We were thinking about all these different uses for it. And I think Twitter is a great poster child for an example of a service where you're not 100% sure exactly what it's going to do, 
but you launch it anyway and see what people make of it. Right? And that's exactly what happened with Twitter. And at the time, the startup that I was running realized, I mean, our biggest issue with it was things, people would tweet things and it would fly by and you'd miss it. And that was the biggest problem, was missing stuff that people would post on Twitter. So we had this brainchild of an idea where we would take, and Facebook had uh, public status updates at the same time in their API, we would take both Twitter and Facebook feeds, and if there was a particular topic you were interested in, you would enter either a hashtag or a topic, and our system would go in and harvest all of the most important stuff pertaining to that topic. Now, the example I like to use is if you're interested in sailing. So let's say you're interested in sailing. You're a big boating guy. You like to sail. So what you do is you set up something that we used to call a Tweeb, which was a little software engine that would go out and capture everything anyone ever said about sailing on both Twitter and Facebook public updates. And what it would do is it would take all that information, it would crunch it down, it would analyze it, it would figure out what are the most what are the most retweeted tweets, it would figure out who were the most important people who retweeted. There was a lot of it was a very complicated algorithm that we built. And in the end, what would happen is that you would go in and from the customer's perspective, you would go in, you would enter your term, you'd save the tweeb, and then you'd come back twenty four hours later and there would be this beautifully formatted report of all of the discussion on both Twitter and Facebook on that particular topic. And we did things like we stripped out, if there was a link in it, we stripped out the link, we harvested the link, we harvested the photo, we harvested... It was beautiful. I wrote all this. So I wrote all this from scratch. I knew nothing about Ruby on Rails, and I learned it in about six weeks, and I wrote it. I wrote it. And we had this additional thing that we were doing where we added branded photo content to the site. So for example, if you were, uh, and we filed a patent on this as well, so if you were, say, a Budweiser, and you wanted a little picture of a Bud bottle or Bud can to show up every time somebody did uh, hash bud, hashtag Bud, then we would do that, we would replace it, the image, we would replace the hashtag with the image. A little bit like what Twitter is doing now with brand-sponsored emojis. So the idea that we came up with in 2009 is now, what is it, eight years later? Uh, six years later, or seven years later, now finally coming coming to pass, although they did apparently do something last year, so five years ago. So, so five years later, was it five years? 2009, 2016, 2015, yeah. So five years later, five, six years later, it came to pass that Twitter is now providing that service. And the thing is, I, I, I originally, I love Twitter. I thought Twitter was fantastic. I thought this is a great example of a company that puts out a tool and it has no idea what this tool is going to do, but then throws it out to the crowd and the crowd takes it and runs with it. And it becomes the single most important breaking news communication standard in the world. And the reason why, at least I believe the reason why it's become this, is because of the power of the tweet to be able to capture from not just sort of like a high-end smartphones or high-end computers, but also dumb phones in the middle of nowhere 
that can still send messages out to the world. So if you're in some war zone and you're seeing some atrocity or you're in some horrible area of the world where terrible things are happening and you want to report them, you can report them through your dumb phone to Twitter and it could spread virally to the entire world. It has the potential to connect every human with every other human, which is something that I've always believed is sort of the real promise of the internet is person-to-person intimate communications. And that's one of the things I love about Twitter. And as that kind of communications medium, it's great. It's great. Now, monetization, that's something that they still have to figure out. And there's a couple of different ways that they can monetize and they're monetizing it in some ways and they're doing okay. But I think over the last little while, we're seeing a problem because they have become mainstream media. And if you think about it, Twitter is basically alternative media. Is anyone anywhere can communicate to anyone via Twitter, right? And compared to all these other media where people can communicate, it has been more sort of wild west than everyone else. It has been more free speech oriented than everybody else. It's had sort of like the large, the, the, it's the it's the best place for you to have a, commu- a f- totally free communication about almost anything, even things that are like edgy, even things that are uh, borderline illegal, even things that are, uh, people make people uncomfortable, right? Even things that make people uncomfortable, that's where people talk. They talk on Twitter. And now, for the longest time, it's had very little editorial control, very little editorial control. Like if things are absolutely horrible, they, they will remove those tweets. And if, the, if there's abuse, abuse has been removed. And that's been okay for the longest time. But they, they've had a pretty small group of things that they don't allow on Twitter, allowing mostly free speech. It is the only place, really the only pla- only worldwide place, only place in the world, only place globally, where you can have a pretty free conversation on almost every topic. Until about, I don't know, a year ago, six months ago, whatever, where they started to look at the kinds of communications that were happening on Twitter and going, we need to sanitize this. We need to become more like the mainstream media. We need to tone things down and we need to start attacking those people who we disagree with. They have become like Yahoo, like Google, like all of these media outlets who have a particular bent. And personally, I've written about this before. It's like, this is the problem with journalism. Journalism has gone from being reporting to journalism. It has gone from being, I am going to report the facts to you as they happen, and then you make the decision on how you feel about those facts. From that to, I am going to report the facts in my biased way and try to convince you that my way is the right way, that my way of looking at these facts is the right way. It, the the opinion of the writer has become more important than the facts that are being posted. And if you ask me, that is the problem with journalism, period. 
there is too much bias in journalism. Now, I know a lot of people are complaining that, oh, you're talking about left-wing or right-wing bias. It doesn't matter to me. As far as I'm concerned, you should be, as a reporter, if you're a journalist, you should be reporting the facts as they are without comment. But we've swung the absolute other way, is that everyone reports the facts with comment. And sometimes they don't even report the facts, or they miss, they leave out half the facts to push their agenda. So, if you ask me, that's what's happening to journalism. Journalism is dying simply because of that, because everyone takes it with a grain of salt. They can't believe it anymore. It's not reality, it's that reporters take. I don't even know if you could call them a reporter, that journalists take. And what's happening? It is not we report, you decide. It is we tell you what you what you should think. So, I digress. So that's journalism. That's journalism's problem. And for the longest time, Twitter did not have that problem because they allowed as much free speech as humanly possible on their medium. And I thought that was great. It allowed voices that were previously unheard to be heard. And that's the key thing. That's the thing that makes Twitter super powerful is the thing that lets the voices be heard. But if Twitter starts going in there and starts censoring voices. I don't care if you're on the left. I don't care if you're on the right. I don't care where you are. They become something other than a place for people to speak freely. They become yet another biased news organization, which people are going to start ignoring, and people are going to stop using again. So here's my challenge to Twitter. And I think I've written this in an open letter to CEO way a long time ago. Is it focus on Twitter's core original vision? Well, actually, I can't say that because that was never their core original vision. They never had that. But focus on the vision that came out of the use of Twitter by the millions of people who are using it. The millions of people who are using it desperately need an outlet for their voice, the underserved, the underrepresented, the ones who have no voice in the organization or in the country that they live in today. Give voice to those who have no voice. That should be Twitter's mandate. That should be Twitter's focus. And stop getting into petty arguments and biasing your output. Because if you start biasing your output, then people are going to turn you off just like they're turning off most of the mainstream media. You can't do that. You, well, you can, but it's a recipe for disaster. If you want to succeed, you really need to become the bastion of free speech for the world. Not just for America. Not just for China. Not just for Europe not just for Brazil, not just for... It's like the bastion of free speech for humanity. You make that your focus. You make that your mission statement. You make that what you are going to do. And nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you because people will go to Twitter for everything. They will know that it is the most open and honest and free communication method for any human to talk to any human all over the world. And I got to say to you, we desperately, 
desperately need that. That's it for me for today. See you next time. And until then, don't forget to think future. future. future.